you God and we praise you God because you are truly the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we give you all praise and all honor hallelujah each week here at our church we pray for a local church in our community as well as a missionary that we support and today we're praying for Perfect Peace Baptist Church will you join with me God we lift up Perfect Peace to you today God, we pray, Lord, that you give them exactly what their name says, Lord, in perfect peace. We pray, God, that you stir within them, Lord God. God, that you give them boldness and courage. We pray, God, that you uplift them, Lord God, that you protect them, Lord. I pray that you give them favor in their community, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you provide for them physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, whatever they're needing today, God, that you come, you intervene, and you be there, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift our missionaries up to you, Lord, veteran missionaries that have been serving for a very long time. Lord God, we pray, God, that you protect them, Lord God, that you give them favor in the country that they're in, Lord God. And Lord, as they lead, Lord, other missionaries, I pray that you give them revelation, Lord, and discernment. Lord, that you lift them up, Father God, that you show them, Lord, Lord, what the next step is, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, provide for them financially, emotionally, keep their family well and healthy, Lord, so that they can concentrate on what you've called them to do. And Lord, we lift up church at Briargate to you. And God, I pray, Father, that you just use us, Father, for the reason you put us here. Lord, we say yes to you, God. We say yes to you, God, to your will, to your way. And Father, we pray, God, that you just help us to be obedient. And Lord, we pray, God, that you move in our services. We pray, God, that you move in our homes, Lord God, in our office places. Lord, we pray that you anoint our pastor to speak and our ears to hear. And God, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In your name we say, amen. Good morning, Church of Briargate. It's so good to see you this morning. Can you greet each other this morning if you wave or bump fist or even shake hands or give a hug? As we transition. 
Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Church of Briargate. We're happy that you're here. If this is your first time visiting, welcome. We'd love to get in contact with you and connect with you. Uh, there's a connect card at the back of the seat in front of you. Feel free to fill it out with only the information that you're uh, comfortable providing. And then uh, if you would, please take it to the um, spacing on the name Missions Cafe. Missions Cafe after service. And we'd love to uh, connect you with a free drink. Um, as our ushers come forward, let's pray over our offering this morning. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. God, we are so blessed, and we uh, give out of the uh, gratitude of our hearts, Lord. You are our provider, Lord, and uh, when we know that when we give, it's a chance for us to strip away our dependence on ourself, God, and realize that ultimately everything comes from you, God. Our health, our jobs, um, our families, God, even every breath. And God, you are good. We uh, pray that you'll bless this offering, help it to further the ministries that we do here at our church, and also of all the missionaries that we support. Uh, God, we give this day to you. We pray for Pastor Scott that you will give him strength. Uh, Lord, that you will continue to speak truth through him. God, soften our hearts and make us already uh, begin to become more receptive of what you would have to speak to us this morning to help us become more and more like Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you for this Christmas season, God, this opportunity to celebrate uh, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, uh, as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be called your children. God, we love you and give this day to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, please enjoy these video announcements. Hi, I'm Trisha, the women's ministry leader. Welcome to church at Briargate. We are so glad that you're here with us. If this is your first time, please fill out a Connect card. You can fill out as much of it or as little of it as you would like. And you can return it to the Mission Cafe. We would love to welcome you and offer you a free specialty drink on us. Here are some upcoming events. Our volunteer appreciation dinner is tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. If you serve church at Briargate in any capacity, we would love to honor you. The dinner is for your entire family. Please RSVP on the church app to let us know you're coming. Contact the church office at office at cabag.org with any questions. Our next Navajo Taco Night is Wednesday, December 16th at 6.30 in the church foyer. Tacos are $8 and all proceeds go to missions. You can register on the church app to let us know how many tacos to prepare for your family. If you would like to volunteer by helping set up, tear down, or clean up, please contact the church office at office at cabag.org. Thank you again for joining us today. For more information about upcoming events, ministries, and life groups that we offer, download our church app or check out our website, churchatbriargate.org. And be sure to stay connected with us on social media. Have a great week. Well, good morning. Everybody looks lovely today. Um, I, I, I did want to mention uh, that we had I'd already talked about it earlier. We had prayed for uh, Robert earlier, but um, Kathy Lee did pass away this week. We're, we're going to keep you in the loop of what's going on with that. Uh, we're going to have a memorial service and now, maybe a couple different ones, so we'll, we'll, keep you, we'll keep you abreast of that as things kind of unfold and what Robert feels, uh, what he's feeling like he's going to do with all of that. So um, <clears throat> that, that's the same way we do everything else. We send out the emails and those kind of things. So that's how you get that information. Uh, part of the reason I'm saying that is if you're not on our email list, you don't get that information. And so uh, we want to make sure that you, that you do that. <clears throat> um, uh, something else that had happened this week, I, I, I thought 
I uh, thought that uh, Walter E. Williams had passed away a, a few months ago, and, uh, but he had just been really sick and in the hospital, but he actually did pass away this week. Um, just an amazing American. I would, I would strongly suggest you just go to YouTube and uh, type in his name and, and watch or listen to whatever pops up. Uh, you're going to learn. You're going to do some things. In fact, um, guys that uh, teenagers doing school and all this kind of stuff, one hour of uh, Walter E. Williams is probably good for a whole semester of uh, public school. So um, <clears throat> to throw that by your parents, see what they think. So uh, last week I was, I, was, uh, I was talking about this having to do with that uh, how, do we, how do we combat the things that uh, Satan is trying to do, and we looked in 2 Corinthians 10, that, the, that the, the fight that we're fighting is not a human fight, but we seem to, to fight it in a human way. We just, we just do that. We go down that road of fighting spiritual stuff out on, on uh, human levels. <clears throat> and hopefully, through last week, uh, you kind of got the, the, the main point, which is that you as one soul, as one individual, that you are very important in the kingdom of God, that you're not just there, but that you are very important, that you are a crucial part of the kingdom of God, okay? Um, again, I, I, it took me a long time to figure that out. I don't, I didn't think that when I first got in ministry, I literally didn't think that way. I thought, you know, Jesus, Jesus loved me. I knew that. I didn't struggle with that, but I didn't really see me as an integral part of the kingdom of God. I didn't see myself as being, um, as being uh, vital to the, to the furtherance of the kingdom of God. I just knew that, you know, Jesus loved me. Now, let me, let me address that real quick because this is one of the things that I think is, is, um, is part of the, 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 the way the church has gone that is, that's actually a negative, it's not a positive. The church talks a lot about Jesus loves us, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me, and that's true and it's good. But here's part of the, the problem with, the, with that being a foundational mindset. When the foundational mindset is Jesus loves me, it takes some things off the table that need to be part of the conversation. And that is that if this isn't just about Jesus loving me, this is about Jesus being the focus. This is about Jesus being the, the, the center of this thing, that he is the beginning and end of everything. And that's where the church gets a lot of our base. There's, there's no problem with people saying, and I would say in a general sense for the church, there's no problem with people saying Jesus loves me. But but if I'm going to be an integral part of the kingdom of God, there's got to be more than just Jesus loves me. There has to be a, I'm, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. Jesus didn't just love me. He died on the cross for me. And the reason that Jesus died on the cross for me is because I'm a sinner that is not going to make heaven without his blood. I'm not going to make heaven without his forgiveness. I'm not going to make heaven without this relationship that's more than just Jesus loves me. It's that Jesus died on the cross for me, and I'm important in the mix. That the reason Jesus dies on the cross for me specifically is because I need to be made right with God. Because I'm a sinner, I'm not right with God. I need to be made right with God. And therefore, if if he's doing all of this so that I will be made right, just right now today, a feeling that I have that says, now I belong to God. There's got to be purposes, there's direction. There's a life that he's given me <clears throat> that I need to be living for him and doing things for him in the process. And so, 
Uh, these three things I looked at last week, I'm going to start by unfolding these three things again. I'm not going back to 2 Corinthians 10, I'm just going to list them. We use God's weapons, this is to fight spiritual battles, we, got, we use God's weapons to tear down strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments. <clears throat> again, you can go to 2 Corinthians 10 and read this, uh, verses 3, 4, 5. But this is, this is where the church has got to get their mind to, their spirit, their heart, their life to, is that we are, we are specifically supposed to be fighting against the, the, the human reasoning, the strongholds that have been built up by human reasoning and lies, false arguments. Okay? The second thing is that we tear down obstacles of pride that keep people from knowing God. Pride is what keeps you from seeing truth. Pride is what keeps you from knowing God. I've, I've had people look right at a, at a scripture and not see the reality and the truth of it because of pride. That we're, we're supposed to tear that stuff down. And then the third thing is capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Every rebellious thought that Satan tries to throw into your head, you've got to capture that. You've got to stop it. You've got to fight against it. Bring it into obedience to Christ. Make sure that your, your thought process belongs to Jesus because that's where everything else starts. Your relationship with God starts with your thoughts. How you think about him is how you serve him. Not who he is. God is so big. He's so massive. There's no way you can serve him completely or even understand him completely. But the, the, the way you do see him is how you will serve him. So you've got to constantly be bringing that back to truth, bringing it back to God's word. Teach those thoughts to obey Christ because that's how you're going to serve him. And, and, and you've, you've done this. I've been guilty of this. You can see this in Christianity pretty, pretty commonly is when people just get off base and they're not even serving Jesus the way they're supposed to anymore. Why? Because they bought into something. Their mind has gone a direction and then that's the way their, 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 their Christian walk goes. So Ephesians chapter 6. This is about the uh, armor of God. We're not really going to get into the armor of God so much. We're going to get into the kind of the, um, the beginning statements and the mindset. Again, the mindset, I think, is as important as anything else. It, it's more important than anything else, the mindset. Now, part of the reason I'm saying this is because um, I mentioned this just a little bit last week. I saw this even more this week. And, uh, and, and, and guys, this is, this, is, this is too important to just pass by. Many uh, church leaders, uh, Christian ministry leader mentality people, all across the United States, and, and pastors across the United States have basically said, uh, this election thing is over, let's move on. There's a lot of problems with that, a lot of problems with that mindset. First, this is my first question I want to ask these guys, is, so when did God tell you this? When did God say to you, um, I've done, I lost, I can't really do this, just move on. When did God come to these? Because, I mean, they're, they're agreeing strongly with the media. That's really who they're agreeing with. That's the people that have been saying this from the beginning. So now you've got all these church leaders and these pastors and, and different groups of people that are now siding with the media against right and in favor of wrong. So, when, why is this week unique? Why does this get to be the week when they have supernatural revelation from God? Not from the electoral college, because they haven't made the decision yet. This race has not been called. It's not official. But these, these religious leaders all know. 
They know. Nobody else does. But now they know the media has been right the whole time. So let's side with them. <clears throat> this is, there's a, there's a big problem with this in a general sense. These are supposed to be spiritual leaders that are supposed to be leading us to what? To fight, to pray, to stand against evil, to stand for unborn babies, to stand against the perversion of the LGBT mentality, to stand for freedom spiritually and physically in our country. These are supposed to be the spiritual leaders that are leading us that direction. And they basically said, hey, we lost it. Let's move on. They're quitters. And I, and I cannot respect that at any level. See, here's the thing, is these people should be praying. But here's what I know for sure now, and I'm going to give a strong supposition on the other side. But here's what I know for sure now, they're not praying about it now, because we lost. Let's move on. That means we're not praying about it anymore. Here would be my, my uh, supposition here. I strongly believe this. They weren't praying in the beginning. Because if you're fighting this out and you're praying, <clears throat> you're seeking God, you're on your face before God, God, please don't let this evil win. Don't let this corruption win. Don't let these lies rule our country. Don't let these liars rule our country. Don't let the darkness rule our country. God, we are pleading with you. God, save our country. Save our nation. Save our freedoms. Save our electoral process. Save this stuff. God, if you're pleading that and pleading that and pleading that, then what of us all of a sudden you just go, and no, nah, I'm out. I'm done. I quit. We lost. There's been more come out this week in a positive sense about the corruption, the legal stuff, the lawsuits, everything else. There's more and more stuff coming out. But now you've got major uh, spiritual, quote unquote, religious church leaders across the country now that are saying, we quit because we've lost. And here's the reality for me. You quit a long time ago, Jack. You might as well get off the field. You quit a long time ago. You stopped praying a long time ago. You don't care about this. This really isn't that big of a deal. These are probably the same pastors that are saying, um, well, we don't really get in that big political issue called abortion. Guys, it is making me sick to my stomach. These spineless nothings that call themselves church leaders. But here's the sad part, is when these church leaders do that, there are a lot of people that will follow them and stop praying. Because we've lost. And here's what I'm praying, and I know this sounds divisive, I don't know how to say it any other way. I've been praying, I've been pleading with God this week. God, you take all those pastors that are giving up and walking away, and you cause their people to see truth and stop following them. Break the strongholds and stop following them. Because this is horrible for us. We're losing this. And God didn't quit. God didn't say stop. It's not been declared. Why do you think you know better? They as well, they feel like they're... And we are playing games with this. And the rule of the day is, well, they feel like they're doing the right thing. That's the lie that Satan always tells us. Ephesians chapter 6, he says in verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's a mindset, guys. That's not about weapons. That's not about fighting. That's a mindset before you ever take one step into the battle. 
And we got all these guys that are, they're now giving up. Well, we've lost. Then go away, but get out of the way of the people that haven't lost yet. Get out of the way of the people that are still praying and still believing that God is bigger than anything, bigger than, than, than uh, governors and bigger than, than election processes, bigger than corrupt voting machines. My God is still bigger. Get out of my way and stop saying words. Because we're praying. We're seeking for God to be in charge, not a bunch of wimpy nothings that call themselves church leaders. <clears throat> we are trying to fight here. We're in a battle. Guys, this is not, this isn't just a, a, a presidential election. This is a battle. We've got to fight. <clears throat> Please do not listen to these people. Get them out of your mind. Get them out of your spirit. Get away from them and start getting before God and pleading with God. And now my prayer is twofold. It really is. I'm praying, God, you can do this. Break the strongholds. Tear down the strongholds. This thing is not over. This can be won. God, do your will. Cover us with the blood of Jesus. And then I say, and, and stop. Open the eyes of Christians and help them to stop following these hirelings. Help them to stop following these fake plastic people. Guys, there, there, there is, there, I believe we're already in it. I believe, I've said this from back in February. I've been saying this for a long time. But specifically in February, I've been saying, this is separation. This is the, the goats and the sheep. This is separation. The church is, is splitting here. The church is splitting into this fake uh, plastic above ground church that will be accepted by the society and be accepted by the government and everything else. And then there's going to be the true church. Now, it's not underground yet. We don't have to be there yet. But the true church has got to stand up. The true church don't worry about what people around you think. Guys, I'm gonna, I, I've already got some stuff I'm gonna, I've got planned. I've got to be uh, writing them out that I'm going to be doing after the first of the year. And I, and I had an idea. In fact, when I first started doing this, I, I, because I don't know which way this is going to go. I, I, know, I know Trump won the election. I know that. I, most people in this country know that, whether they accept it, admit it, verbalize it out loud or not. We know that. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean he will be the one inaugurated in January. It doesn't. We've got to fight to that point. We've got to pray this thing into existence. Just because he wins the election doesn't mean Satan rolls over and, and just walks away. Satan is fighting this thing. He's fighting this. And so we've got to fight, we've got to fight, we've got to fight. Now here's the thing. I don't know what's going to happen at the inauguration. I don't know who's going to be standing there. I don't. But I do know I can still fight now. Here's the thing, is I started developing two sets of messages. Trump wins messages. Trump, if Biden wins messages. And, and then I realized, that's not, the re that's, not, that's not it. Because the job of the church doesn't change regardless of who gets inaugurated. Now, what I was trying to do, I didn't think the job of the church changed. But what I was trying to do is say, okay, now we won. We got to be proactive. We got to do this. All right. But okay, we lost. We got to do this. But here's the thing is I realized they were always the same thing. 
We've got to stand up for the Lord. We've got to stand up for his word. We've got to do these things. Now, last week I talked about the one of the strongest ways that you can fight is have a grateful heart toward God. Have a, have a heart of, of thanksgiving and a heart of uh, an attitude toward God, you're in charge. Well, I want to kind of go to the next level with this today and say this is, the, this is a major part of how we've got to fight, okay? Um, Ephesians chapter 6, the final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. You realize this is a, this is a mindset. You're going to have to, you're going to be in, in, in things that are going on. I, I'm going to talk about that after the first year. How do you start shifting a church thinking? How, how do you, that's not for now. So, <clears throat> but here's the thing is you, you realize that your life, my life, it's changing right now. And how we look at church and getting together as the body of Christ and the family of God is not going to last but a few more years at the most. And we've got to start thinking differently. Now, I actually have a little bit of experience in this. I've been in different countries around the world and talked to them, and I've been in their underground churches. I've talked to their leaders and their pastors. I've sat in services that if they would have busted in there, I would have gone to jail and everybody in there would have gone to jail. There's a different mindset in those people. A way different mindset, which, by the way, is very convicting to this plastic American church mindset that I've been in in so many years. Very convicting. But we can do it. Here's where we have to start. You've got to get, a, you've got to get an attitude in your spirit that says, I'm going to stand strong no matter what happens. And that's not who we are as a church right now. Every time something else happens, we cave. We won't stand up against something, something simple like calling somebody that wants to be called a different gender. And, and this is what I'm identifying as. So, so will you please call me that? I've, had, I've, I've, I've read articles written in Christian magazines and on Christian websites that are saying, as the church, we need to call them what they want to be called because that's the only way we'll be able to reach them. My question with this is, how are you trying to reach them? What are you reaching them for? What are you reaching them to? Because if your premise, if your starting point has a representation of Jesus Christ, you represent the body of Christ. You represent the blood covering in somebody's life, which is yours. And you're representing Jesus to this person. And the very first thing you ever do is you lie to them in agreement with their perversion and their sin. The very first thing you do, you open the can of sin. And you embrace it. And you agree with it. And you agree the, with them in a lie. You are agreeing with them in lie. How, how do you reach them for anything after that? How do you then come back later and say, oh, oh, and by the way, um, Jesus died so you can be free from this. Free from what? Well, well this sin in your life. Well, you just told me it's not sin. You agreed with me. But Jesus died so you can have peace. I have peace. You gave it to me. You lied. Guys, it's amazing how we can take... That's just one thing. How many other things can we talk about here? But we take just one thing and the church caves. I remember this. This is long enough ago that, <clears throat> that we did come through it. And I think for the most part, we got to the right answers when we moved on. 
But I remember right after 9-11, the major push to the church, same Christian magazine, same websites, same stuff, same weak needs, spineless wonders, calling themselves Christian leaders, wrote all these articles about how God the Father and Allah are the same guy. The church needs to see it and embrace it so that we can reach them. And I stood up and started preaching against some of that stuff, saying, no, <clears throat> that's not true. And Christian leaders all over were attacking guys like me, saying, no, you're missing the point. We're trying to be all things so that we can reach them. Then go be a prostitute to reach the prostitutes. Go be a drug addict to reach the drug addicts. Because there's no problem with you being it. If that's, your, if that's your spiritual premise, if that's your scriptural premise, guys, we've got to stand different. We've got to stand strong. What? In the power of the Lord. In the truth of the word. Not in your church mentalities or your desires to get people in the building. To get people on the team. Not if the team's wrong. And we, we, we do this like crazy. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We are fighting against the demonic. This is not a political cycle. This is a, a fight between God and Satan. We've got to get that. We are not fighting against people. We're fighting against Satan. We're not fighting. This is one of the things that people ask me every now and then. <clears throat> what about the the um, what about the young ladies that are having the abortions? Um, what do we do about that? Because I talk about abortion, right? What do we do about the young ladies that are having the abortions, guys? We're not fighting against those young ladies. They're hurting. Some some of you are in this building. You know what that is. You know that pain. That that. That anguish, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, we're not fighting against any person. In fact, we're fighting to save persons. We're fighting against Satan. Satan is the author of abortion. It's not a political thing. It's a demonically inspired, murderous attitude that is trying to destroy babies. So, but we have to stand up against the abortion mentality. We, we love the ladies. We love the, the, the girls that are going through this. We love their hearts and their lives. And we love them. We don't want anybody to get abortion. It's painful. It destroys their, their soul and their spirit until the blood of Jesus comes in and forgives. This is, this is the, the balance between the two. We have to stand strong in the power of God. Got to stand strong in who he is, not in what we think. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. I think one of the biggest egregious things the church has done for a long time now in America is we think that, that, that America is mostly light. Oh, there's some difficult things, and there's some pockets of sin here and there. But we're mostly good people. And I hear people say that all the time. Well, I believe in people. I think people are mostly good. That's weird because you're disagreeing with the Bible. God doesn't think people are mostly good. 
God thinks when you do the very, very best you can, and you come up with your best works, your best attitude, your best heart, your best service, your best everything, it's like a bunch of uh, poopy diapers. That's what he said. And, and, but, but here's the thing is, this is what makes it so amazing, this thing we call amazing grace, is <clears throat> when you come up with all these great poopy diapers and you present that to God and God's like, whoo, God says, now let me send Jesus to make you completely clean. While, while you're sinning, while you're making the poopy diapers, while you're doing that, Jesus died for you so that you can be free, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be washed completely clean. And then he tells us, then he presents us back to himself as perfect and spotless without any sin or wrinkle. That's, that's the importance of the cross. Not because we're just really good people down deep. I never thought that about people. I'm not trying to be mean to you or anything else. I don't think that you're a bunch of great people. I think you're a bunch... <laughs> you're like, thank you, that blessed me. <laughs> but what I do think, and I've seen this so many times over the years, I can't even, I can't even describe them all is I've watched people let Jesus cover them with his blood, and they become amazing because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of you, not because of me, but because of the blood of Jesus. He takes this nothing, nastiness that is humanity, and he makes us great in his spirit. And that's the point of the whole thing. Look what he says, that we're fighting all these things. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. There is a time of evil, and you're going to have to fight, and you need to be ready to resist the enemy. And the church has not been ready for a long time. We don't even know how to fight. We literally don't know how to fight. We're, how many people just this week, that doesn't include the weeks before, how many people just this week gave up, walked off the field? They're not fighting. Is there a time in our history that is more evil in America right, than right now? And right in the most evil time, the biggest battle <clears throat> that we've been in in the church since the beginning of the United States of America, and people just walked off the field today, this week. He said, well, we lost. Man, get out of the way. Because you're in the way of the church. But they're pastors, and they're in the way of the family of God and the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. They're in the way. Move over. We don't want quitters. This, this is one of the biggest things that, I, that I, I try to tell my kids as they were growing up. I, man, I just drummed this into them. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. You may not be the best. You may not be the winner. I never... I never expected that from my kids. That sounds bad, too. <clears throat> I'll give you an example. My oldest son, man, he wanted to play basketball. He was all about playing basketball. Have you seen his mom? <laughs> he's now 26, almost 27, and he's, what, 5'8"? Something like that? 5'6". Wow, he's a lot shorter than I thought. <clears throat> 
He wasn't going to be winning any basketball championships. He wasn't. But, man, he loved it. And we went to the games. I loved going to the games. In fact, it's one of those things I think the first time we did this. He was like five. And the first time you, that your kid ever makes a basket, it's like the greatest thing on the planet. You're tearing the stands apart. Wow! And the baskets are this high. And the kids are this high. And, and, but, I, but I would tell him, you know, Jonathan, dude, just do your best. That's all I ever want from my kids in any circumstance is always give 100%. Always give your best. And don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. Anybody can quit. In fact, my, my rule with this is quitters are only that. They're only quitters. When you're a quitter, that's all you're... No, but they were a great athlete. They were a quitter. Well, they did this. They were a quitter. And it's the same. I, I got this strongly in the military, too. You, you can... You can do a lot of things, and it does not matter if at the end what you did was quit. That's who you are. You're a quitter. That's it. And this is my opinion, okay? If you're a quitter, you're a quitter, nothing more. But look at this. He says, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Quitters walked off long before then. They don't get to be standing there after the battle is over because they quit. But even if, even if you lose, you're still standing firm. This, this, is, <clears throat> this is a mindset that we really, as a country, we really are starting. We've been losing this mindset for a long, long time. This idea that, well, I don't, we have, we, can, we have to do it this way. This way. Just, just here's, the, here's the thing. Stay in there. Just stay in there. Just keep fighting. See, this is another thing that these, uh, that these, these wimps all around the country that call themselves spiritual leaders are doing. See, they get to walk off. And then there's guys like me that I'm going to keep fighting this thing out. And I'm going to keep fighting this thing out. And I've said this before. And you guys know we're online. This is recorded. I can't back away from this. We will never stop having church at Church of Burgate. Okay? <clears throat> now, here's the thing. I appreciate the clapping now. <laughs> and we got to go, team. Yes! But you understand that this can, and we have talked about this in the board. This can come to a moment where they will arrest me for this. And this will be part of the reason that they will feel like they have the freedom to arrest me for continuing to have church. Because all the guys that were on the field walked off. And I'm out there by myself. That's the reality. And then all those wimpy nothings that call themselves pastors, when they're sitting in their comfort zones and everything is good, then they're going to say, see, he should have not done that. We knew we had lost. You understand what I'm saying? And guys, I'm not playing around with this. I, I, I think about this stuff. I mean, I say these statements, we're like, yeah, that's right, pastor, take it to him. But I also think about this stuff because... I, I do believe we are coming to a time in our country where guys like me that really will not compromise will get arrested for this. 
Don't don't clack, don't clack. <laughs> no. You're like, yeah, arrest him. That's what we want. You go, boy, get arrested. <laughs> But guys, here, here, let me let me look. Let me read this again. <laughs> this is taking a horrible turn. Look at this again. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Now, now guys, this is why I'm gonna. I'm, some of the stuff I'm gonna talk about after the first of the year is because I think we're all a lot closer to this than just me standing here. In other words, if you do what God says, I think you're going to be in some danger coming up too. And if not, I'm going to rat every one of you out. <laughs> and after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Here's some things that, that I just wrote down. There will always be a legitimate reason to not stand. There'll be real reasons, legitimate reasons. Family. Life. Your job. There's always going to be reasons to not stand. You've got to stand. You've got to stand. The second thing, no one will blame you. No one will blame you. You are doing what you thought was right. You're doing what you thought was right. I get so frustrated with that statement because it's humanism. It doesn't matter what, the whole, what you think is right. It matters what the Holy Spirit says doesn't matter what you think is right. You'll justify everything, anything. We're, it's called human beings. It's who we are. But no one will blame you. If you. When you cave, in fact, that's the biggest thing with caving is you make a lot of people around you comfortable. When you stand is when it makes it difficult. Makes it very difficult. But no one will blame you. You'll be fine. The third thing. You can never revisit the moment you caved. And that's the part that is seeming, seemingly lost on church leadership right now across the United States. You cannot come back in the late January and say, I guess we should have prayed more. Didn't see that one coming. You can't come back after everything around you is caving and saying, I wish I would have stood I wish I would have made my stand. I, I always think about this in the context of the rapture, where the church won't stand up, won't stand up, won't stand up, and then all of a sudden the rapture takes place, and you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that assume they were good Christians, but now it is too late. And we don't think like that anymore in the church. It's too late. You can't revisit solid Christian thinking later. You can't revisit holiness later. You can't revisit that stuff. You can only visit it now, today. Your stand has to be today. You can't go back and change it. And, there's, and, I, and I believe that's going to be the the, the cry of the church, I, th I think it's going to sound a lot like Noah's Ark. And the church is going to be saying, man, I guess we really weren't on fire for God. I guess we really weren't sold out. I guess we really weren't committed to God. 
It's too late. The fourth thing is there will always be others affected by your decision. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. And specifically all these church leaders. There are people that are following these people. There are people that, that, that last week they were like, God's winning, we're doing this. And then their leader came out and said, well, I guess we, we lost. Uh, let's move on. And they're like, oh, well, I didn't know we had lost. I guess we should move on. Now, everybody's responsible for themselves, <clears throat> Okay. Guys, you're responsible regardless of what I say up here. If I get up and say a bunch of stupid stuff and you buy into it, you believe it, and you follow it, you're still responsible to God for you. Okay? Don't you blame that on me. <laughs> I am going to be responsible. You understand that I, I take this very seriously. Scripture says I am more responsible than you. That's not the right way. I am responsible for what I'm saying. God will hold me accountable for you too. I take that seriously. But God's still going to hold you accountable for you. Okay? But at the same time, we got these leaders. Now, we've been developing this for so long in the United States that people just follow personalities. They, they follow pastors and leaders as personalities. Not as, not as uh, preachers and teachers. Not as people working out their own salvation. But, but as, as, um, as, as sycophants. And that's not healthy in the church. That's not healthy in the church. There are a lot of people that are speaking some pretty amazing truth, and, and, and the church is missing it. I, I know I said this last week, but I want to say it again. One of the, the more solid sermons that has been preached in this church in years was Sergio's message two weeks ago. Because that was solid. Now he's, he's on his deathbed with COVID right now, but that's okay. Will he be better? But... Uh, but Sergio preached an amazing solid message, very timely and very important for us as a church. Very important. If you missed it, you missed God. You missed God's plan. This is, this is where, now is, is he written books and, and, a, and, a, and a big church leader across the nation and have a $40 million jet? Nope. He's a Christian. Some of you are like, what? You'll get it. <laughs> I took this little video clip. I love this little clip here. <clears throat> and um, this is from a John Wayne movie. And great truth here. Can you imagine when this is all over and you're thinking about this quote? Think about a modern movie saying something like this today. Nope. So this is what it's called, The Train Robbers. And it's... Um, and it's, it's, they're out in the, in the desert, and there's these bad guys trying to kill them and take this money from them. And uh, there's this guy, this younger guy, that's deciding what's he going to do. Does he stay and fight? Does he not stay and fight? And, um, and this, is just a, this is just a great little clip. Now, he's talking about being a man, but I think you can apply this to being a Christian, too. I think you should. I will in a minute. So let's look at this clip. I hope I don't let you down. You're planning to rob another bank? No, oh, sir. I mean one of those 20 jumpers. You'll be all right. I don't know. I was thinking a few minutes ago that I ought to get on my horse and get out of here. Get out and never look back. Why didn't you? I couldn't. Why? I don't know. Maybe I was afraid you'd come after me. That's not the reason. It's not? I hate to have to tell you this, Ben, but whether you like it or not, you're a man. You're stuck with it. 
gonna find yourself standing your ground and fighting when you ought to run, speaking out when you ought to keep your mouth shut, doing things that will seem wrong to a lot of people, but you'll do them all the same. You mean like talking up for me in Tucson? They were wrong. Not if I ain't all the things you think I am. Not if I turn and run. You won't. You're going to spend the rest of your life getting up one more time and you're knocked down. So you better start getting used to it. That's just great right there, isn't it? Fathers, you need to be saying this stuff to your boys. Grandfathers need to be saying that stuff to the boys. My grandfather would say stuff like that to me. <clears throat> and, I, man, he would say things sometimes that now I look back, I realize they were really good, crucial things. From my, I didn't understand them at all at the time. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. He, he, he told me one time, he said, never bet a man that comes up with the bet. And then he said, Scott, you think I can do a pull up on that tree, go all the way to like this, throw my leg over and sit on that branch in one smooth, fluid motion? He was like 60-something. And I thought, he can't do that. He was a very, very strong man. He reached up, grabbed that branch, put it all the way up, put it under, threw his leg over and sat there. He had just got through telling me, don't bet somebody that comes up with the bet. And then like two seconds later, he was like, that boy didn't hear what I said. Let's try it this way. And because he bet me something. I had to do something in the farm and stuff like that. We need to be telling our boys this kind of stuff. You need to be a man. A few years ago, here in this church, I preached a message about being a man. Father Day or something like that. And afterwards, I had a lady in the church that came to me, and she doesn't go here. Um, she came to me, and she uh, talked to me during the week for about 45 minutes about how that, that sermon really discouraged her because I kept using the word man, and I didn't define it, which I did. The whole sermon was, how, what is a man? And it was like list after list after list, this is what a man is. And, and I finally told her, I said, the problem is not my message. The problem is you don't like the word man. That's the problem. The word man bothers you because of bitterness, unforgiveness, and all this other stuff. I said, the only way you can change this is go before God and say, God, help me forgive so that the word man does not offend me. I am never going to apologize for being a man. And I, and I try to be something that, that in today's society, I don't think we use this term now, but a man's man. I, I'm going to be that. I'm not going to be a wimp. I'm not going to cow down. I'm not going to. I, I was watching. I was sitting in the car the other day, and this guy, Linda, was going in the grocery store. And I was being a man, a chivalrous man. I was just waiting in the car. So, <clears throat> which is, she'll tell you is being chivalrous because she doesn't want me pressuring her when she's buying groceries. So, you know why? I'll tell you why. She buys bargain everything. And sometimes it's not about the bargain. Am I right? Okay, so I digress. So she goes up to the grocery store, and this guy kind of stops, and she reaches up and opens the door, and he's like, thank you. And he walked in. Now, some of you are older, you totally understand. Some of you are younger, you may not get this. 
And if you don't get what I'm saying here, you go back to your parent this afternoon and say, you have failed me. <laughs> Here's the reality. That man should never have crossed that threshold. He should have argued with her. No, please let me get the door. Please let me get the door. And if, and if Linda, Linda won't argue with him, but please let me get the door. I do this all the time. I will not walk in a door when there's three or four people, men or women, standing there. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to stand there till they're all in. And, and try me on that because I've stood a long time sometimes. But I'm not going to let a woman walk across a threshold. I mean, hold the door for me and I walk across that threshold. And that's just a small thing. All right. Here's the thing. How do we do this standing? How do we take this stand? Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. The first thing is, guys, we have to say no to sin at all costs. And I think this is becoming more and more of an issue right now than ever. It's always been a big issue to God, but I don't think the American church is... We've been getting farther and farther away from it. Well, we'll embrace almost anything nowadays. But here's the thing. Say no to sin at all costs, because that's the way you're going to fight the spiritual battles. You, you, You may not know what battle you're fighting, but say no to sin, because sin is the platform that Satan uses to pull you into things. Sin, you, Satan uses sin to deceive you. Satan uses sin to, to, to hurt you, destroy you, cave your spiritual walls down so that you're susceptible when Satan comes in with the haymaker. We've got to say no to sin. Say no to sin. Say no to sin. And we've got to get to the point now where, guys, we've been doing such a bad job of this as the church We've got to start separating more and more. The the stuff that we watch, the stuff we listen to, the stuff that we say. God has been convicting me a lot about this stuff. It is so easy for me to sit down and watch. Now, I don't don't watch nudity. If nudity comes on, I'll turn it off. Um, Linda and I are very adamant about this. We don't go to movies where there's going to be nudity. I've said this for years, and it's amazing how this still needs to be said regularly. Ladies, you got to stop being okay with your guy watching naked people on movie screens. you gotta be, You got to stop this. Because as simple as this is, later on when you're being romantic, guess what naked body they're thinking about? It ain't yours. And you think, you're like, eh, is it really? Just ask him. Right in the middle of romance, just say, what are you thinking of right now? Now, don't expect romance to continue. <laughs> I mean, I joke a little bit about it, but, but girls, if you have not figured this out yet, specifically some of you have been married a while, if you ain't figured this out, you're being intentionally naive. Stop that. That is, that is sin. It's lusting. And, and Scripture says that's the same as adultery. Stop it. But we'll go into a movie and pay to watch people get naked in front of us. It's called porn, but we call it movies. Call it something else. Guys, we've got to stop playing games with this stuff. The stuff that we're thinking and saying. It's amazing to me how easy, easy it just rolls out of our mouth to, to cuss. 
how easy it just rolls out of our mouth. Well, actually, according to Scripture, it doesn't roll out of our mouth. It rolls out of our heart. But we're very comfortable. We've embraced this stuff for so long, and the church has embraced it for so long that it doesn't mean anything anymore. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Look at, look at the first sentence again. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. As I, I, this is the part that gets me. I don't, I'm not out there sinning all the time, okay? I would have no problem with you following me around with a camera. I mean, it would bother me and I would take the camera from you. But I'm saying in a moral sense, follow me around with the camera. I don't have a problem with that. I don't do things. Sometimes I don't want you seeing how I talk to my wife. But in my defense, most of the time it is in self-defense. But I don't necessarily want you seeing how I talk to my wife all the time. I don't want you to see attitude, I think. And I definitely don't want you in my head and my, my thinking, my thought process, because sometimes it's about you and it's not good. So I don't necessarily want that happening. But I can say, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything at this, I don't go around sinning. It's not, it's, it's not who I am. I am. I am a mature Christian. I've been serving Jesus for a long time, and I don't go around sinning. doesn't mean I don't sin, I don't have a lifestyle and an attitude of sinning. But with that being said, look at this again. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking in you. Don't we all know what that is? Don't we all know what those thoughts and those attitudes and those things that creep in our mind and try to hurt us and destroy us? He says, stay away from those things. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Here's the, here's the key to being greedy. You either know you are or not. That's how simple it is. You know if you're greedy. If you're greedy, stop it. And that sounds simple, but I'm serious. Stop it because it'll hurt you. And when this thing is, is unfolding, we're seeing this separation between the real church and this, this plastic church that is being acceptable uh, to the world and to the government and to Satan. The more that this is pulled apart, sin is going to be the determiner of that. Get away from the stuff, the stuff that's messing with you. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Again, Christians, if you're cussing, there's something wrong with your walk with Jesus. It's not something wrong with your mouth. It's something in your heart and your spirit. Jesus, Jesus, just talk like Jesus would talk. Just do that. Don't use words that you know Jesus wouldn't use. Okay. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked, de- all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn how to know your creator and, and become like him. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, stay away from every kind of evil. I was going to use a scripture, but it would have taken too long. Of Ezekiel, where he, he prophet takes Ezekiel in and says, I'm going to put the mark of God on the foreheads of people. And this is the way we think about it in, in American church. I'm going to put my mark on the foreheads of people that don't sin. Except that's not what he says. He says, I'm going to put the mark of God on on the foreheads of people that abhor sin. That it is so disgusting to you that 
but you've got to get as far from it as possible. Not that we don't sin. See, the church in America has, well, we used to, now we're not even to this point, but we used to just, you know, basically not sin. But it was all around us and we really didn't care. We, we would dabble in sin sometimes. But, but we, we, weren't, we weren't disgusted by sin. It's around us everywhere, constantly. We're not disgusted by sin. We're not disgusted by the perversion that the LGBT community is wreaking upon the, the, our, our society and our lives and specifically younger generations. We're not, we're not disgusted by it. It's just what it is. We've embraced it. At some point, we've got to get away from every kind of evil. We've got to do that. First thing, say no to sin. The second thing, and I think this is where the church is struggling right now, is we've got to be <clears throat> a person of integrity at all times. Not sometimes. Not when it's convenient. If everybody at work is... This is something I say to parents, although parents say this to their kids, and they're horrible at it. Well, everybody at work, you know, takes those things, which is called stealing, takes those things. I mean, you, you can do it. It's not a big deal. Nobody at work cares. I bet the purchasing agent cares. But everybody's doing it. So parents, what, what, when, when parents say, if a parent were, and I'm not saying they have, if a parent were to say, but everybody at work is doing it, what would you say to them? I'm hearing parents. I want to hear the kids say this stuff. If all of your friends were jumping off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? Think about, think about this. And as parents, we're doing the same thing. Well, that's why everybody does it. That's the way life is right now. Guys, be a person of integrity at all times. Regardless of what your neighbor thinks, regardless of what your family members think. I've had so many uh, conversations with people already after Thanksgiving, that they go to Thanksgiving, there's a bunch of family there, that kind of stuff, and they have to listen to family just downgrade society and church and conservatives and, and orange man and all these other things. And, and, and I get it. I ask, I would, I've asked people, well, did you say anything? No. And I don't think that's necessarily bad because a lot of times the answer is, well, I'm not, I can't say anything. It won't do anything. It'll just start a fight. I get that. That's literally where you say you're not casting your pearls before swine. Okay, I understand that. I understand that, but sometimes you're going to have to stand up and say stuff. You're going to have to. You're going to have to figure out that balance. Be in person integrity at all times. So, stand with me if you would. We do have um, <clears throat> commitment cards. I wanted to bring you up to speed where we are with that. Again, I really do believe with this one soul thing, I, I really think if, just do what God tells you. That's all. Don't worry about everybody else. You just be one person that's going to do what God tells them, and God will take care of everything else. Um, I mentioned last week that we, we have got to the point where we're ready to build, we're going to do this, we are moving forward, we're doing the engineering plans, we've already, we're paying for all that stuff right now, all that kind of, but here's the thing is we need to be at a certain place um, financially that, that we feel comfortable 
for, I'm saying the, the board and I have talked about this, prayed about this, we, we, this is where we are, is we, as I mentioned last week, we're wanting to get to the point where we have um, $3,000 a month in commitments toward this um, before we actually start building an edifice. We'll do everything else, but before we start building the actual structure, we have to do this. And, um, <clears throat> and so uh, the plans are out in the, right on the other side of that wall, out there in the beginning of the hall, if you want to look at them. Um, but here's where we are. We, we passed out the commitment cards last week for the first time. And um, I think from the last number that I looked at, what we're looking at right now is we have about um, uh, $950 in commitments that came in this last week. And so that's, I think that's a really good first step. Uh, but it is only a first step. <laughs> so we have to get to that 3000 That's where we feel like that we are with this. And so we want you to grab a commitment card. Grab a commitment card, fill it out, pray about it, talk to God about it, do what, do what you feel like God tells you to do. Just do that, okay, and God will do this. Just do what God puts in your heart uh, to do here, okay? So the commitment cards. Um, we have uh, Michael at the back, Jason at the back uh, with the commitment cards, and they will give you one if you want one. We passed them out last week, and uh, most of you took them. And, um, and so you still have them at home. You're thinking about it, praying about them. Uh, we want to give you one, but, but, but we're not spending hundreds of dollars on commitment cards. So you take one. Uh, no, we got plenty. But, but grab it before you leave and just, just talk to God about it. Um, we, we've had people also uh, texting, emailing, and calling, saying, um, I'm going to do this by the first of the year. I'm going to make my commitment. That's all we desire is for one year, 2021, Commit to one year, 2021, and say, this is what I'm going to give every month, right? Make sense? So grab the commitment card as you are leaving, and you can give those to any of our pastors, or you can give those to the cafe, and you will not get a free drink for that, <laughs> um, but you will have the pleasure of being a part of this. So uh, let me pray, and here's what we're going to pray about, basically two things. And we're going to pray about the building, too, because I, I do think that this is all part of the same thing. But here's what we're, we're going to pray about. Anytime you come before God and say, God, um, uh, I, need to, I need to serve you. I need to take a stand. Do all this. I mean, there's all kinds of things we talk about. Always start with repentance. Always start with repentance. That's what Scripture tells us. Think about the Lord's Prayer. It has repentance in it. I had somebody tell me years ago, why should you repent all the time if you're a Christian? Well, Jesus did. When he, when he said, guys, this is how you're supposed to pray, he included repentance in that. I don't think he personally repented because he had anything to repent of. But you understand what I'm saying? He said this is what praying is, repentance. So we start with repentance. And then we say, God, give me the ability to stand. You pray that to God because you're going to have opportunities to not. And we need to stand. Right? Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Jesus, you're the beginning and the end. You're not just somebody who loves me. You're God of the universe. You have brought me back into relationship with you and my Father. Jesus, you're the everything. So God, forgive me. Forgive me and wash me with the blood of Jesus. Wash me clean. 
Jesus' name. God, I, re- I, I pray that the church, not just us here, but the church in America will repent. God, we ask you to help us lead the way. Lord, help us lead the way right now. We repent. We repent and turn from the stuff that's tearing us down. Forgive us, wash us clean. And Jesus, help us to stand. When the battle gets strong, we'll stand. When it gets difficult, we'll stand. When it seems like we've lost, we will stand. We won't cut and run, but we will stand. Lord, help us to stand in the face of evil and sin. Help us to stand in the onslaught of abortion. Help us to stand. There's there's babies depending on us, depending on our prayers. Help us to stand. God, as church at Briargate, just one small church in Springs, God, help us to stand. Help us to stand. Jesus. Jesus God we just we just receive that God we're made by you help us to get it we're made by you Lord we will stand for you In Jesus name God I do pray I pray against the lies that Satan's trying to tell us all across this room I know they're different I know they're different for every person 
God, destroy the strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments. In Jesus' name. God, and we receive you. We receive your spirit. Use us. Every one of us in this room, use us. We want to be your hands and your voice and your feet to humanity. Use us, Jesus. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you, Jesus. God, and I do, I do pray for our building. Just do what you want here, Lord. Just do your desire. Speak to us and we'll do that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, we're going to do what Scripture says. It says they, they sang a hymn and then they left. Except we're not going to sing a hymn. But we're going to leave. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you a chance to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Tell them how big he is, how powerful he is, and what he can do in their life. And God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, and we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.